Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell. I'm the lead pastor here at Westminster, and it's great to have all three of our churches uh, gathered here tonight to give worship to our Lord and Savior Jesus, to uh, praise his name, and to uh, hopefully build one another up in Christ. Um, some years ago, uh, green pastor who really didn't know a whole lot about anything and still doesn't really know a whole lot about much, uh, called another pastor in town and said, hey, um, we really should probably do something to, because of what happened in Charleston and with the shootings. And that pastor who was much more wise and had been around for much longer said, yes, I think that is a great idea. And we had a, a prayer service, and it somehow, in God's providence, united uh, three churches so that we started to worship together and try to get to know one another better and have a relationship with one another, and, and that's where we are today. Uh, those three churches being, of course, Westminster, Holy Comforter, and uh, Jehovah Missionary Baptist. And so just very thankful, very, very thankful for you all being here tonight. We're going to start off with a passage from Psalm 24, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to read this responsively. So I will read the part that says leader, and then as a congregation, we're going to read the next part together. So I, want, I don't want you to be like some of the Westminster folks, okay? Sorry, Westminster folks. I'm throwing you under the bus. So sometimes I'm really excited about what I'm reading. I go, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I hear, for he is founded upon the earth. We don't want that. We want, to, we want to hear the goodness of God's word repeated back to each other. So let, let's do that tonight. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he is founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, the God of his salvation. Such is the Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. We're going to begin our service tonight with the song, All Creatures of Our God and King. And I know that some of you may be thinking, wait a second, that's not a Christmas song. It's about Jesus, so it's a Christmas song. Amen. All right, so if you're able, would you please stand and let's sing this together.
seated. Shall we pray together? Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this season. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your care for us. And God, as we come into your presence once again, Lord, we acknowledge that uh, you are the all-wise God. You are the all-knowing one. You are the uh, uh, immutable one. God, thank you that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Fathers, we are in this holy season. We are grateful for the opportunity once again to gather together and to gather in your name. Father, we thank you for uh, keeping us. Uh, it has not been the easiest year. Lord, there's been some steep hills, and some deep valleys, but through it all, through it all, God, we've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, yes, God, we learned to trust you. And so we pray, God, that you continue to help us in all of our endeavors. God, I want to ask that you would bless our churches. God, because we are the lighthouse in the community, not just Jehovah and Westminster and Holy Comforter, God, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the lighthouse in the community. Father, things can be changed because we pray and because we are faithful to your word that can never be changed in Columbia nor in Washington. And so God, help us to be faithful to the things that you've called us to. Father, we thank you, as some have said, that uh, for this time of the year is a great time of rejoicing for many. And yet, Lord, we want to remember those who are challenged today, either because they've lost a loved one there is a missing or a vacant seat at the table this year. Or because this is, the first, this is the first anniversary of the death of a mother or father. Maybe even be a child, God. Again, Lord, we do want to thank you for this day. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen all of us. Because, Lord, as, uh, uh, as Pastor Newton often says, Lord, either we're coming out of a storm, we are in a storm, or we're headed toward one, God. So help us, Lord, to help those that are struggling now so that when we need help, somebody will be there to help us. Again, Lord, thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, we do love you today. We praise, we honor, and we adore you today. For you alone are worthy. In the name of Jesus, amen. letter of Paul to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to, to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name of, um, among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. 
to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. scripture reading from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph took, woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, no, that's not a typo. 
I love the hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. It's one of my favorite Christmas hymns. But let's be honest, how many of us can say we're always faithful? And when I heard this song, I thought, now that's a song I can get behind. One that shows that, yeah, we are unfaithful people, but the Lord is faithful. And as we come to Him, we can know that He has not only forgiveness, but kindness and compassion and love and power to save. So that's what we want to sing tonight. This is a song uh, we normally, as Westminster, we don't normally do specials, uh, but we wanted to do this one for you tonight. Okay. 
Father John Sosnowski, I'm the Associate Rector at Church of the Holy Comforter, and I feel like I'm among family here. <laughs> I, was so, I was so controlled until, <laughs> until that song. Whoa, how beautiful. Thank you all. Pray with me, please. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Let me share a scenario with you all that I think will be familiar to many, perhaps, in this room. When I was growing up, I would sometimes hear my mother say, wait until your father gets home. Anybody here ever heard a mother or anybody ever say that? Right. Well, in my parents' house, there was always two ways of receiving this message. It could be the worst news or it could be the best news. If mom said, just wait until your father gets home, then this likely meant that my bad behavior had superseded my mother's willingness to deal with it. So when dad got home from work and heard what it was I had done, justice would no doubt follow. On the other hand, if my mother said, now Johnny boy, you have to wait till your father gets home. It could mean that I had to wait because my dad was going to be bringing my birthday present or he had some great news to share with us and we just had to wait because he was the only one who could deliver the news. But regardless of whether the consequences of my father's return were positive or negative from my perspective, there was no doubt, never any doubt, that my father was coming home and it would be sooner rather than later. And there was no doubt that when he came home, his authority to correct or to bless would come with him. And my knowledge of that truth made me either dread his return or look forward to it with great anticipation. And more than that, the assurance that my father would soon return had a positive effect on my behavior. In the Anglican tradition, we are in the season of Advent, and Advent refers to the impending arrival of some person of, of great significance. And we surely do look forward to celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior on Christmas Day, but 
the arrival that we are most focused on during this season is Christ's second coming. So what will it look like, my brothers and sisters, for you and I to be ready for Christ to return? What must our relationships with one another look like in order for us to be made ready? As Paul writes all of his letters, all of his epistles to the churches, he does so with this awareness that Jesus will return soon. And as he introduces himself in this letter to the church, to the Romans, he focuses on three things that he and his audience have in common. And these are things that supersede all that makes Paul different and his audience different from one another. First of all, Paul identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Well, the church in Rome, they would have seen themselves as servants of Jesus Christ. Second, he identifies himself as one called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And thirdly, he identifies himself and he addresses the Roman Christians as those loved by God and called to be saints. So the divine callings that St. Paul shares with his audience are that they're called to be servants of Jesus Christ, they are called to be set apart, and they're called to be saints. Now you know, these are character traits that would have been recognized by Paul and by these Roman Christians that they shared, but they would have been recognized as supernatural gifts, not something that occurs innately in us, nor is it something that can be developed by them or by us through hard work or through effort. There were cultural and political differences between Paul and his audience in Rome. Paul was a, this Jewish Christian from the Near East and the Gentile Christians from Rome, they were very different and they had political differences. Paul was dark skinned and he came from a rural Bedouin culture. And the, the Roman Christians were of a metropolitan culture. And in appearance, they looked just like the Romans who had subjugated the promised land. They had every reason in the world to focus on their differences. But we can see from this short introduction that what Paul and the Roman Christians share is so much more than enough to nullify all that makes them different. And as I read this text, it occurred to me that there are great similarities between Paul and his Roman audience and the, the churches, the people that are, that are gathered here in this room this evening. What was it that enabled Paul in the Christian church in Rome to turn loose of all that made them different and to love one another? I think if we look at our gospel reading from Matthew tonight, We'll find the answer here. Matthew quotes from Isaiah who said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. My brothers and sisters, it is God with us. It is Emmanuel who melts away those things that separate God's people. And as we worship together, I get a taste of heaven, and I sense a unity and a purpose that humanity longs for, but it's only a taste. And I, I yearn 
for the banquet, don't you? Are we ready for Jesus to return? Are we ready? What will it look like? What, would, what did it look like 30 years after the resurrection for Christians of different cultures to be ready for Christ's return? What did it look like as Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome? Well, the historical record shows that the, the Roman servants of Christ, they were radically set apart from what was normal. One thing that made them stand out was their devotion to one another. There's a song that we sing that goes, they will know we are Christians by our love. That was how Christians in ancient Rome were known, were identified because of their love for one another and because of their love for people who were so different from them. The normal Roman way was to seek power, prestige and pleasure at the expense of anyone who got in the way. But these Christians, rather than to see how much they could gain for themselves, shared what they had with those in need. You see this specifically in chapter 16 of Paul's letter to the Romans. Here Paul lists some 26 people by name who are from different cultures, yet they gave of themselves, some risking their very lives for Paul and for the spread of the gospel. Church history shows that when the plagues came in the second century, the Roman doctors took off. They ran for the hills. They got away from the population because they didn't want to get sick. And it was the Christians who stayed and they ministered to one another. They exposed themselves to death from, from these plagues. And not only did they take care of one another, they took care of the Romans who had persecuted them. It was so different and it set them apart from all that was normal. Many who witnessed this wanted to know, what makes you this way? What makes you this way? And how can, how can we have what you have? It was so attractive. What will our relationships, what will our relationships look like when Jesus returned? What will it look like for us to be ready? What will it look like for us to be so contrary to what the world offers the world says, you deserve a break today. Go for the gusto. Have it your way. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Die to self for the sake of my name. Jesus says, when you have fed and visited and bandaged the least deserving, you have done these things unto me. I remember when we shared the grand day with Jehovah, and that was a day of to gather grandparents together with their grandchildren for the sake of developing relationship with your grandchildren based on the scriptures and based on, on the gospel. And it took, we had a team from Holy Comforter and a team from Jehovah. It was mostly women, as it always is. <laughs> and we met weekly for two months to organize this day. It was about three years ago now. And the grandparents and the grandchildren from both churches gathered in the Marion H. Newton Center. And it was a day uh, to make memories and, and there was teaching and there was singing and there was entertainment. And the day culminated with the grandparents laying hands on their grandchildren and pronouncing a blessing on them. It was, it was so Old Testament, it was beautiful. 
But as, as always happens, people waited until the last minute to sign up. And I started getting worried. I thought we weren't going to have enough food. You know, we got to have, we got to know who's coming in order to get the food. And I suggested that we cut off the registrations. Well, Miss Loretta Logan and, and, and um, Rosalind Howard said, Father John, you just let the people come. We always going to have more than we need for whoever comes. And they did. God multiplied our resources as he always does. And I can tell you that the shared ministry of those who were involved in that grand day changed the way that those involved relate to one another now. It's not enough for us when we see one another just to wave and say hi from across the room. When we see one another, we have to come together and hug and embrace. And if, if we see each other in the food line, we're in the, we are so set apart from what's normal, we embrace it there in, in public, in, in the food line, it's beautiful. Make no mistake, this road that we have chosen to go down with one another is no accident. We have been sent to one another for the purpose of being set apart. So now the question is, what can we engage in that will bring us more together in order to set us apart from the darkness of the world, to make us a light that the darkness can never overcome? Well, I have some of your phone numbers. I have some of your cell numbers. And some of you have mine. And so I can call Ben and Dolores Griffith. I can call Hattie Mae Harry. I can call Pastor Simmons and, and Pastor Nate from, from Jehovah. I can call Gifford and Alfred Shaw from Westminster. I can call David and Becky Pritchard. And if I called you and I said, my wife Patty and I, are cooking up some barbecue with Bunny Russell. And we just wondered if you all might want to come and, and, and have a meal with us. What would you say? What would you say? That's good. What time? That's good. Yeah. I don't know if such a thing has ever happened on Calhoun Street. Has it happened in your neighborhood? How will we ever know one another and trust one another. How will we ever know how to pray for one another and to pray with one another if we continue to do things as they've always been done? Perhaps we could gather together in one of our fellowship halls for the purpose of praying for the well-being of our children and our grandchildren. Perhaps we could gather together for a meal and share ideas about how to be more intentional about passing on the legacy of our faith. You have ideas we don't have. We have ideas you don't have. There's so much knowledge here that should be shared. Maybe other intermixed groups might pick up and find ministries or studies to do together. Pastor Marion, speaking to our men's group a month or so ago, spoke of such a hope, and I can tell you that a book study is going to be shared by the men in our three congregations beginning before long. I hope, I hope everybody, all the men in here, will take part. If we did such things, I promise you we would become a topic of conversation. We might hear people saying, do you know those three churches are doing things together? 
and they seem to love one another, and they're making a difference in our communities. Now, I don't want to be the subject of gossip, but if people are going to talk about us, let us give them something to talk about. Already our people and the way we relate to one another is different from how those who have differences relate to each other in the culture and in the world. On that great day when Christ returns, we must look like salt and pepper, like light and dark, cream and tan, all mixed together. Y'all did a better job of that tonight than what I've seen before. Everybody being mixed together. That's, this is what we ought to look like. Because, and we need to look like that, not because somebody tells us to do so, but because God has called us to a oneness that he promises to make happen. And like all real love, we will have to choose it. And when we choose to love one another, by our actions, I promise you, feelings of love will follow. So God's word, in God's word, Paul calls us to be servants, to be set apart. And finally, he refers to the Roman Christians as those loved by God and called to be saints. The word saint simply means holy one. And in church history, mere mortals have been qualified as saints because they lived especially holy lives and because of miracles that they had been associated with. My beloved, if, if we are Christians, we have already experienced the miracle of our nature being supernaturally changed from being enemies of God to being friends of God. Emmanuel, God with us, has done this. And if God has done this for us in our relationship with him, how much more will he do it for us as he has promised to do if we'll let him do it? The gospel truth that binds us together is infinitely stronger than anything that makes us different. And the loving relationship offered, us, offered to us by in Christ is shockingly different from what is normal in the world, but it is so desperately what the world needs to see. How do we want Jesus to find us when he returns? What should be the testimony of our relationship with one another? We're called to be servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, set apart for the gospel, and we have been equipped and are called to be saints, seeking holiness as our standard. Are we ready? We have heard God's word say, wait until your father returns. May we in readiness and in unity anticipate with joy our Lord's coming. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, it is like precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen.
Would you please stand for the benediction? In the season as we remember our Savior's first coming, and as we eagerly await his second, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go forth in the name of Christ.